Hello and welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. I'm Steven. I'm Ryan. And we're here live in Maine with Mike Venditti. Hi, Mike. Hello. Thanks for uh, having us up here in this uh, terrible state. No one should come here, right? Maine sucks. Yeah. Tell your friends. Absolutely. So <laughs> no one should bother coming up here, but we'll tell you about how shitty the roads are, how terrible the drive is up here, and uh, yeah, and why no one should come here. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Um, but no, we're having a great time up here. Uh, we came up to get our cars together and enjoy some of the the roads, and, and Mike has a house up here, so we wanted to, to see it and uh, enjoy what little uh, blessing of a corner of the earth that uh, is here. It is quite the blessing. Yeah, we were saying uh, it felt a little bit like Norway. It's like a little fishing town, uh, kind of tucked in uh, on a little island. We're mm-hmm. off island, technically. Yep. Um, around Christmas Cove, and uh, yeah, it's very charming, nice local town. Good folk here, um, and so yeah, we uh, Ryan and I we drove up uh, separately, but met up in New Hampshire near Northampton, yeah, uh, just Bry Beach kind of area. Uh, enjoyed a nice cruise along the ocean front there, and then uh, popped up to meet Mike in, in Brunswick, Maine, and we attempted to to drive down to uh, what was that island you wanted to go Harpswell to? Harpswell and Bailey Island, which are beautiful spots, but the roads seem to be closed and. Uh you know, we decided not to wait in the traffic. Right. And there was a dirt road that we could have taken to get around it, but Mike did not want to do so in his precious E60 M5. Did you know? I did not. I'm glad that Mike vetoed that because I would have subsequently vetoed it. Well, you've already (laughs) taken your car off road. Yes. uh, At very slow speeds on a road that I was familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew what was at the end of this road? Right. Really? I do have the plus 10 millimeter suspension for occasions like this. Right. It's an everyday car. Um... But we ended up popping up to this area and, and kind of ripped around some roads up here, and uh, it was a good day, I would say. This was uh, yesterday, two days ago? Yeah, and, you know, it was really cool to have three very special but very different cars together, right? So Mike's got an E60 M5, which you may have heard about before on the podcast, mm-hmm. in Sepang bronze. Mm-hmm. Beautiful color. We're, we're uh, essentially all earth tones here. Steven's got the early 996 in Palladium Gold Metallic aka JRG <laughs> and I've got the uh, the new um, 718 Cayman GTS and Aventurine Green and uh, the, these three cars look really nice against the natural landscape of Maine you know, beautiful farmland mm-hmm. harbors, craggy coastlines. <laughs> I mean even though we're kind of disrupting the peace with our cars uh, going through these like back roads and whatnot. Um, at least our cars are not obnoxious looking. They're not. Yep. You know because there's broken motives that have dualies and like stacks coming out of their pickup truck beds that disrupt the piece here. Yeah. And those are obnoxious looking. I was yes. I was saying to Ryan actually on our drive up, uh, we were kind of disrupting the piece a bit on the highway. People just seemed really intimidated by us or something. You know. We were driving relatively fast Spiritly, at times, yeah. you know, but nothing insane. And uh, people in regular cars would like accelerate, you know, on us and try uh, to block us out. And like trucks, for some reason, big these big lifted pickups would just like pull up right on your ass and just sit behind you. We were kind of revving our engines, comparing you know the sounds as we were sitting in traffic next to each other, and 
there was this uh, diesel pickup behind us. He, he did was, a, like a burnout. He was rolling coal. He was rolling coal. He was with it. He was uh, with. He was on the program. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he started it. I think. No, no we were. You started it. No, you started. it. You were revving your engine. No, I actually wasn't. That was just trying to go forward in traffic. Okay, bullshit. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And then I, I revved slipped. it later once yeah. I heard the the brodozer behind then, me. And then I, you know, responded with my car. So you know, you have your. It's not even a sport. Ex- is it a sport exhaust? It does Can have you? the sport exhaust, yeah. It, but it is fairly quiet in it's comparison. It's the quietest of the three vehicles that we have together, interestingly enough. Yeah, so Those I mean... damn my, gas particulate filters. <laughs> the emissions they have to keep up with these days. I mean, mine has uh, no mufflers, but cats still. Next year, I can take off the cats. That might be an option. Oh, 25 years, right? Yes. Yep. Um, but I'd put resonators back on if I did that. Yeah. Um, and then Mike, you recently put on an exhaust on your car. An Eisenman race exhaust. That's something you've been wanting for a long time, hasn't it? For probably 10 years and for seven years since I got the car, I finally did it. What, what was the, uh, motivation for doing it now? Because I spent more on blinds for my freaking house. <laughs> and I realized You deserved something for yourself. Yeah. I'm a jerk to have, like, put it off for this long, so I just took the plunge. <clears throat> what was, uh... This is a special exhaust, I, yeah. I have to admit. Just looking at it, the way it, it's beautifully made, it looks... It looks factory in a way, right? It it's, yeah. it's not, um... It's not showy at all. It's it's really nice. And it makes a very unique sound. It does. Which Stephen has <laughs> been perfecting an imitation of. Would you like to do it for the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like sub four thousand RPMs. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Because when you're above four thousand RPM, Shrieks. you're so far ahead of me that I can't, you can't yeah. even hear it. Right. Yeah. It's like, Wah. but it, it's a, it's like this. Uh, we were saying it kind of sounds like a trumpet, a with muted a, trumpet a mute on the front, or like yeah. you know the the plunger. And, yeah, the, you know, the, the, yes. A wah, 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 wah. It's exactly, and and so it's <laughs> but this, in a good way, you know. Yeah, it's loud, but it's not um, in your face about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a delicate noise. And you were saying you tend to like downshift a little bit more just to to, to hear, hear it yourself. It. And there's actually a real burble or overrun that you get. It sounds like it's gargling pebbles. <laughs> it's really hard to describe, but it's usually. Like third to second, twenty five miles an hour to keep your foot partial throttle, mm. and you could coax it into doing that, <laughs> or it does it naturally too. Yeah, you were saying actually from inside the car, sometimes you have trouble hearing it, mm-hmm. which is like sometimes. I mean the car's a luxury sedan, mm-hmm. so it's it's very well muffled and uh, contained from road noise and everything on the inside, and it's such a you know it's a big ish car, so yep. the exhaust is so much further behind you. Than it, but uh, you know, even before the exhaust, it kind of more like sounded like Ryan's Cayman in terms yes. of you hear it, but not so much. Correct. Um, so in fact, the E60 was a little bit muted, right? I would say I would mm. say even more muted than my Cayman. Yeah, given well, given that it's a massive V10, yeah. you know, all the firepower under there, they did a good job at isolating it in a way to keep it keep that luxury feel. You're saying with the stock exhaust. With the stock exhaust, right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you think uh, Mike's was the loudest of the three of our cars. Mike's was the loudest of the Which three of Which I was cars. shocked to, to hear you say that. Yeah, I feel yeah. like my car is just so obnoxiously loud. I it's think yours Under gets certain there. situations, you when, you when you're under full chat, you know, up at high RPMs, it's very loud. But Mike's car at all RPMs yeah. all the time is like 
billowing this this noise. It's sonorous. It is yeah. sonorous. Yeah, that's a good it, word it for it. It coats the sky it when does, you noise. Yeah. And, and so driving behind the two of you, I could hear Mike's car over yours. Yeah, and I guess it says, it speaks to how loud you know your car is, Mike, because normally I can't hear anything over my own car. Right. But I could hear your car over my car. So, uh, but not in a bad way. No, I mean, I feel like, uh, do you feel guilty when you drive through like neighborhoods and stuff? Do you feel like you're disrupting the peace or do you think people don't really notice so much? I would say I keep it low revs mm -hmm. on purpose. So okay. it's that constant sound that you right. imitated Yeah. <laughs> when I start to lay into it and it starts to actually wail mm -hmm. or shriek, then I feel like a jackass. So I try and save that for the back roads yeah but it's That's nice fair. that it has those dual personalities mm -hmm. because right. i i was gonna say i don't think it's, i don't i don't think it's a um a car that disturbs the peace at slow speeds your car, car disturbs the peace yes. at slow speeds unfortunately yes. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's hard yeah. to be inconspicuous in my car we were just driving on what's the name of the island here rutherford island rutherford island and uh steve we're on this cute little back street and there are all these nice old people walking around <laughs> and they they compliment us on our cars and he starts up his car, and I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, we're at, like, a little coffee shop. Yeah. It's a quiet, you nice morning. You could see the tea kettles rattling, no. essentially, <laughs> you know, it was that kind of thing. You know, it's just hard sometimes to, to get it off and, and going, and, you know, you just got to... Once you were moving, it quieted right down. For but, sure. But when you started... I quickly it, shifted into second. <laughs> yes, we were puttering around at the lowest speed we could go in second gear yes. so as to not disturb the Always piece. bucking the car. No, just no, above no, that right. speed. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just right. above the bucking Flirting speed. Flirting with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we were, we went over to the uh, the fort. Um, what is the name of that fort again? Have a quick point. Yeah, and, or like somewhere right I where we had what dinner. It's called fort. By, coat, by um, the contented soul, but um, from the from the early sixteen hundreds, I believe the fort. Yeah, right. It's yeah. an old uh, British fort or something. Yeah, British but, fort. Um, as we're kind of leading into there, front. right? Yes. Um, as we're kind of coming into there, Ryan, when we park up, he goes, "Did you notice that?" I was in uh, neutral and just coasting by all those people. And I'm like, no, because I wasn't. <laughs> so I couldn't hear your car. I, I shouldn't have felt that about my noise when I realized that Steven was <laughs> making five times more. But, uh, yeah, that was fun to get the three cars together, compare the sounds of the car. Um, and there are some good roads. It is a bit, it's summer up here in Maine, so there's a good amount of people out and about. So you do have to kind of watch it and... Uh, a lot of cars on the road, so at yeah. times it was difficult to enjoy some of the curves that are here. To let the horses sing. Yeah, but th there are some decent, like, passing zones. They do come up pretty frequently. I would say that Maine, I, I actually wanted to comment on that today. Maine is very generous with giving you passing zones. Mm -hmm. Some of them are shockingly, roads. you know, right there, and it's like a short bit. You have to know the road to use them, right. is what it is. You have to really. be prepared for prepared, them, and then right. boom, you can get around. But an ordinary person, that would be a... A very short opportunity to pass. Even with our even with our cars, cars yeah. It, it, mm -hmm. Some of them were tight passes, yeah. And the, and the quality of the road on some of these is a little bit varied. So you could be hopping around on the other side of the right. road trying to a get AKA pass. me. Yeah, you. On right. my stiff ass suspension. I was wondering on a few of those passes today. They uh, must have been difficult. For I you. I had to you know every time we were kind of passing someone, I had to really kind of be careful and. and manage the balance of the car on the opposite lane because there are a little bit of grooves yes in, in the road where tire tracks kind of are and yep. I, because of how low and stiff my car is i feel that in the steering wheel all the time mm -hmm. and i'm constantly kind of balancing that or shucking back and forth in, in between them so when you shift over to the other side 
uh, you got to kind of compensate for for that on the other end. So I, I did have to, you know, really be careful, make sure I have a good grip on the on the wheel. And um, most of the time, I just kept it in like third or something and, and revved it out for as, as long as I could. I was in second and things got a little rowdy. I bet. Yeah. I was... I'm surprised you even had to get down all the way to second. Yeah, I probably didn't, but, yeah. you know, I didn't know how long the passing zones would be, so right. I figured Better give to myself have... all the power. But it was uh, intimidating to be up at the higher end of the register uh, on those passes. I wanted to, to note, you know, getting these three cars together, it was very interesting to me because they're so different, different, you know, ages, price points, concepts sort of mm. goals uh, in design but they share one thing in my mind is that they're all really cool mm. so we park up next to each other these three really different cars and you just look at them all and and it's not like one is so much cooler than the other you're right. i enjoy that we get excited almost equally about all of them and uh, i would I, say even other people too like absolutely. you know i think all three of us pretty much got compliments or or looks you know in a positive manner about our cars kind of thing and and so it ties in really nicely to what we were talking about last week, which was, you know, what is the ideal second car, your your special occasion car? And uh, and I think I wanted to talk to Mike a little bit about how he ended up with, you know, these M5s, right? So Mike is mm -hmm. a man with an M addiction with two M5s in the stable. And uh, I think it's a very different perspective on the second or, or fun car than what you and I have taken, right? Mm -hmm. So... It's not on the Miata, Miata end of the spectrum, nor is it on the Porsche end of the spectrum. It's somewhere in the middle. And so, you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Why did you choose those cars? What do you like about them? Where do they excel? And where do you maybe wish you had something different? Hmm. How much time do you have? <laughs> I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. First episode of Top Gear I ever saw, I was 15 or 16 years old. Clarkson reviewed the E60 M5. That's my introduction to Top Gear. I was blown away by a four-door sedan that could rev to eight and a quarter. And to quote him, it sounds and it feels and it goes like Ferrari F430. And that's the best car money can buy you, right? The, like verbatim, that's what he said. So I became obsessed with that car. They were too expensive when I found the E34 because I was like hooked on M cars just because of that one Top Gear episode. So the E34 was the bastardized M5 that no one loved because everyone was focused on the E39 and the E28. And the E34 and the E60 were hated on at that time. So I found my E34 in Florida for a steal, 84,000 miles, third owner, fantastic car. Looks like new. I mean, yeah, the yeah. condition for 84,000 miles is ridiculous. I, right. I assumed it had much lower mileage. Yeah, and, and that's why I <clears throat> picked it up. Now it's got 130, but uh, wow. same same condition by all accounts. Yeah. Because I clean it religiously. But uh, <laughs> that that was the only thing that was affordable, and it was $11,000 when all was said and Jesus. done. That yep. is unbelievable. So it, it, there, there was this old Fifth Gear episode where... Uh, Johnny Smith, now of Smith and & Sniff and The Late Break Show, said that uh, for beer money, you could get one of these. And that was true at that time. Mm. So I got really lucky with that car. And I wasn't enamored with it because I was hooked on the V10. It had to be the V10. Mm. And this was just a temporary substitute, right? I fell in love with it. 3.6 liter straight six, direct lineage to the M1 sports car. Right. 
and uh, you know once you experience it like you can't go back it is a special engine i mean you look you open up the hood and you look at the individual throttle bodies mm -hmm. you look at just the construction and it's a very race racy looking engine loves to rev yeah it, mm -hmm. it uh, i'm always blown away when i pop the hood and look at those you, you don't expect that kind of motor in a rather normal car like and a five rowdy. series is right exactly it, it, it idles rough it's not happy at low speeds. The fun starts above 4,000. Mm. It revs to just about 73, maybe 7,400, which in the late 80s, early 90s, pretty impressive. Especially for a 3.6 liter mm -hmm. straight six, which by all accounts is a large straight right. six. Yeah, and, and that, that car like sunk into me. Then a couple of years go by, I joined the labor force and, <laughs> and feel like... Um, you know, setting myself up for failure for the next few years and find a 26,000 mile E60 M5 and Sepang bronze in uh, Pennsylvania, Devon, Pennsylvania. And it was the lowest mileage M5 for sale in the country at the time and managed to pull something together to make that work. And they're two very different ways of doing the same thing. They are a very aggressive grand touring car when you want it to be, mm. right? It's great on the highway, it's great on back roads, but depending on how tight those roads are, you're better off in one or the other, which sounds obvious, but um, you know, E60, big sweepers, big power road kind of thing, E34, not so much, right? It's good on like the tight stuff. 3,600 pounds versus 4,000. It looks like a small car versus it the is. E60. It's smaller yeah. than an E93 series, the right. E34 right. is, yeah. which is kind of crazy because that feels like a compact car. And now you have, call it 310 horsepower, 260 torque. Feels pretty alive. Yeah, that's, nice. that's great power for a car that size. It moves too. Like It's not going to win any races, but it's still faster than your average family sedan these days with like 300 horsepower. So right. It's not bad. But yeah, they're, they're two very different ways of doing the same thing. And I had an E39 in, in some period of time in between here, and it was okay. Mm -hmm. Didn't miss it. Re didn't really do it for me. So no regrets. It's a long-winded way of me saying that. And so you have the E60 up here. Um, is it, you know, what was kind of the determining factor in having that up here in Maine versus bringing the E34? And... Uh, because it seems like from the roads that we were driving, some of them are kind of big sweepers. Mm -hmm. um, Which the, Mike knows how to nail on that E60. Yeah, that honestly, we were incredible on the high-speed sweepers. Yeah, you were moving. Uh, it was you know impressive. Apparently, Allegedly. on the last episode, Allegedly. last episode, I you know kind of questioned Mike's uh, <laughs> on-road abilities or just like the speed of which uh, you go on the road. But we are getting older, and uh, at least we don't pass on the double yellows anymore like we used to when we were young <laughs> some of us <laughs> ryan um, um but yeah i mean do you prefer would you wish the e34 was up here instead of the e60 or or are you very happy having that car up here i'm as happy as a clam having the e60 up here it would be nice to have the e34 as well but why did i pick that to bring instead of the e34 numbers there's twenty thousand e60s that were made over the six or seven year production run. There were 12,000 E34s made over its production span, of which 1,700 made it to the States. So Wow, there's that many more in, in Europe. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Didn't That's realize right. the numbers were so skewed. Very skewed. And 
to me that and I've gone through a lot with that car as being my cathartic outlet, so to speak. You put a good chunk of miles on it over the years. I, I didn't a know that. Great chunk yeah. of miles on it. Yeah, and I I can't let that car go, right? That's like even if I'm chapter eleven, whatever, that car's <laughs> not for sale. You know what I mean? That's I'm taking that to my grave. And God forbid anything ever happened to it up here, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And I don't feel comfortable leaving it in a storage unit. Whereas the E60, I love that car dearly. It's been seven years now. Seven years to the day, actually, Hmm. uh, pretty much. July 31st is Hmm. when uh, it was acquired. So almost to the day. But um, it's just a numbers thing. I I could tolerate something happening to that. I'm not saying I could tolerate it well, but I could. E34, I would be beside myself. Yeah, and we should mention like you don't have a garage here. That's right. At the home, which it's is ironic. So you know, it's sitting out in the in the driveway, and we've we've got our three cars kind of tucked in there together. The, the two addicts here who have bought houses both don't have bought car- houses without garages, <coughs> yep. which is something else. So it says something about how difficult it can be to make all the pieces line up, right? Yeah, we were talking that uh, with all the cars outside, we're kind of sitting on your front porch before that. It feels like the uh, Fast and the Furious kind of uh, Dom. Uh, Toretto uh, kind of house style. yeah but the European version of it you know where we all have German engineered cars instead of big American muscle cars and we're drinking champagne instead of right. champagne or rosé instead of the Coronas <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean I, I think it's really awesome uh, how the car is performed up here and I think it you know makes sense given the conditions and, and everything um, but I guess going back to Ryan's question about you know, what is the ideal kind of sports car to you? I mean, I could easily see when Ryan and I were driving the, the Miata and the Cayman together in Rhode Island, I would say the roads are somewhat similar to the ones that are kind of near you, a little bumpy, you know. Yes, um, quality is quality is not great. Right, all, um, and the, the Miata was fantastic on those. I could see the Miata being very fun up here as well. They're a little bit bigger, the roads. Correct. Um, so you might lose out on not having the power um and the Miata's a little scary turning in at you know allegedly high speeds that's right <laughs> yeah but like what you know if you had a choice of a another car to have up here what would you have and and in what kind of realm would it sit in would it sit in closer to something like a Miata um with low power very simple but enjoyable at attainable speeds or would you have something a little bit more engineered similar to our Porsches or are you happy with the E60 where it sits in between those where it can do all it's a more of a luxury um, car but still can move pretty well the E60 is a compromise and that's my only mark against it it's not as chuckable on the back roads as your cars but it puts the power down and when it's not hot and humid here you make big power up here Mm -hmm. and, and you really get to push it to its limits where you can't really do that in the Boston area because there's too many people around. Yeah, no, right? certainly not. Yeah. So that's the benefit of having that here. That being said, if money is no object, GT3 touring to me, whether that be a 991 or a 992, that, in my opinion, is the perfect car for up here because it makes enough power to like really push it on those big power roads and explore it in ways that you couldn't outside of a racetrack, mm. allegedly. Um, but realistically speaking, something like a 997 um, Carrera S, mm. 4S, 
to us doesn't matter or you know similar to your uh, gts your 4.0 i think that's like the perfect sports car to have up here right where you're not going to rattle your teeth out with super hard suspension but you also can enjoy a tight twisty or a big power road and the e60 oddly enough is closer to that category than the gt3 category because it just can't compete weight wise so if you're gonna drive a, a fast car slow i actually think the e60 is better and probably closer albeit in a convoluted way to the gts because it's comfortable when you want it to be but it's uh it's tough i i'm not in a position to uh to switch anything up right now no right. unfortunately and probably won't be for a long time there might be a a boat sooner in your yep <laughs> your life than a gt3 touring. never saw that coming yeah <laughs> so mike's a boatman now he's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> well the one thing i'll say i mean have you driven a 992 gt3 or touring or anything Sadly like that not. i will say that and i think we were talking about this a little bit the other day is that with the double wishbone suspension on the on the gt3 it's it's very lively and i almost compare it a little bit to how my car feels on these roads where it just you feel so much in the steering and and every little crevice and and groove and imperfection in the road you feel mm -hmm. to your hands and i've driven one on track and i feel how quick the steering is and i'm always amazed that people drive the gt3 on the road because i don't think it's enjoyable i think it's more stressful than than anything else especially given a lot of the road conditions in mm -hmm. the northeast so i would you know with my experience and would not want to have a, a gt3 touring up here i wouldn't either i, I feel like it might be too much yeah. because even uh, i would say that my car in terms of stiffness is probably about as stiff as i would want on these roads right in some cases i'm able to use the sport suspension most mm -hmm. cases i had it even in the normal suspension just to have more compliance yeah i was gonna ask which mode you had it in, in the today stiffer. for example it was 100 percent the normal <clears throat> suspension and, and i needed it because you know that was just allowing the wheels to stay in contact with yeah. the road i I'd love to drive a GT3 and like really get into that, but I don't know that we have the right roads in this part of the country for one. I, you actually maybe know the roads up here better than any of us, Mike, because you've done quite a few, mm -hmm. you know, driving excursions over the years here and in Vermont and so on and so forth. But the, you know what road I think a GT3 would rip on? What? The Kank in New Hampshire. If you yep. had an empty Kank, yep. like, yep. that would be a great spot for it. Mohawk Trail, another great one. What's the Mohawk Trail? I don't know that it's one. It's Route 2 slash 2A across the Berkshires, and it goes through all of Mass effectively into... That's the one oh, we were on in the uh, the Viggen, and we had your E60. Yep, so that's that where one, it starts, exactly. Okay. And it, it gets better, and there's all these offshoots up there that a lot of people don't know about. You have to go into the hills. Mm. Yeah. There are actually very smooth roads up here, most of which aren't by the coast. Right. They take more of a beating around here. Because relative, of the traffic. Exactly. Yeah. Relative to the, the inland roads. And I did a drive all the way to Skowhegan, Maine, which no one's ever heard of. And it's probably two hours from the Canadian border a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. I was in firm suspension mode the whole time and was gliding. Yeah. But that was a six and a half, seven hour round trip excursion. Right. So you have to... It's really a mindset and a commitment mm -hmm. to do something like That's that. That's the deal up here. And it, yeah. it's exactly why I got the plus 10 suspension on my car, because nine times out of 10, I'm not going to get to drive mm -hmm. on a road like that. And Rhode Island road quality, like you said, is like this, if not poorer. Right. You know, but it's, it's, 
very similar. And we don't have really as many curves. Mm -hmm. At least the roads here, even if they have some, you know, broken up pavement, they have a lot of elevation change, which right. is very exciting. A lot of interesting curves. I think they're difficult roads to drive well they if are, you don't know are. them because yeah. many of the corners are blind. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of crests that you can't see over. You can't see over the crests, yeah. It's, you know, intimidating. It and is. there's frost heaves. Yes. There's a lot of frost heaves that never quite settle so, down yeah. after the winter. <laughs> so you have to be ready for those as well. Yeah, so I mean, I think your car, the way you have it set up, Brian, is, is pretty decent for up here i think it's it's pretty well made and, and you know for this i'm smitten with it i have to say it's a great compromise this is the first time i've really had it on any decent driving roads mm. and it's it's performed you know wonderfully i told steven yesterday the only complaint that i have with this car is it's so capable sitting behind people <laughs> going slowly I, i'm feeling a little less patient for it than i have been <laughs> historically angry yeah them. and i'm like oh, i'm boiling up yeah and and uh and so it's not that I need to go ten tenths, but I do I do feel the frustration of sitting behind slow traffic a bit more in this vehicle. No, that's understandable, uh, especially with the car being so new, and uh, you just want to enjoy it as much as possible. I, I wonder if over time that will settle down for you. You know, once you kind of come to terms and the car feels a little bit just more normal, part of your fleet, and you've gotten a lot more experience driving it on fun roads and and really using it to its full potential, you know, it'll become more second nature to have it. And you're like, oh, I don't need to access this right now. It's not the right time. In Rhode Island, it's already like that. Mm. I'm not, I find myself, you know, even driving maybe better than I used to because I'm just being a little more conservative and mm -hmm. relaxed. But now that I'm up here, like, and I have these <laughs> roads that are just tempting me, yes, the yeah, the, the spirits fizz. are raised, right, yeah. Well, you're also the uh, the unknown person here. You know, we're driving around and we pass someone on the road uh, in a passing zone, Ryan and I, and uh, we were expecting Mike to follow us, but he was like, I, we asked him later, why didn't you pass? You had tons of opportunity to. And he goes, well, I think I recognize the car. And, you know, <laughs> in this small little area of, of Maine, uh, you kind of know everyone. Yeah, you don't want to be a jerk. Right. I yeah. have a brick through my window. And my car's loud enough. Last thing I need to do is give him a catalyzing reason to yes. uh, take action. Right. Well, I and, understand. And not having a garage, it's very obvious where, you mm -hmm. know, the car goes to resides yeah right everyone passes our house yeah i mean the road that comes in and out of this area is like like you said ryan it's surprising the nice curves and everything so uh, you know it's uh we got stuck behind some people coming into it just because it's the local town folk mm -hmm. coming yeah. back into town and they gotta you know, go get the lobster well <laughs> right <laughs> you get the oysters right around the corner though right. and they're cool. fantastic you know but uh it was a real joy being up here and getting the cars together, it's it would been a, a few years since we had kind of three years you know, since we had a drive like this together. It's been three years since we were at your house. Yeah. Wow. July twenty twenty. Wow. Yeah, the last time it was uh, the, we had the nine. Well, I was driving the W one two three actually yes. mostly. Yes. That's right. You, you had, had your D two S eight. Yes. And then you had the E thirty nine. That's right. M five at the time. Uh, and I think that was the only time I really saw it. We saw it. Yeah, it was the only time. It was I a very short stint. You, you, you had sold it instant. like instantaneously. Yeah, it was. It was a working like it was a beater kind of car. It was. It, a it was nice a driver's yeah. example is how I would describe it. It had one hundred thirty thousand miles when I got it. It wasn't perfect, and I was okay with that because mm -hmm. I like to drive my cars. Granted, the other two were pristine when I first picked them up. I try and keep them pristine like. But this wasn't. Right. So I wasn't afraid to 
put some mileage on it. I, I think I put 5,000 miles on it that summer and then sold it for what I paid for it, which at the time seemed great. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then they were going for 15,000 more five months later, <laughs> but no one saw that coming. No, so, right. It's like and playing it's, the lotto. Right. Yeah. You never know. Well, and we I, usually I, don't win. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying my best right now. I got a lottery ticket in every state I drove through. <laughs> On the way up here. <laughs> Maybe Stephen will be getting himself a GT3 tour. Yeah, my garage. And I might be back soon if I end up winning in the state of Maine. Because yes. you got to like, turn it into the state that you uh, got it from. Well, thank you, Mike, for having us up here. It was a joy. Definitely worth the long drive from New York and, and you know the drive from Rhode Island up here. Absolutely. To, to this, this speck of the world. And uh, thank you to you know your wife as well for being a gracious host. And for uh, listening to our car talk not on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> as it is abundant as well but glad we could have some time to chat here and uh, see your life and, and see the roads that you get to rip on Amen. Absolutely, Absolutely man. Guys. Yeah, thanks a lot it, Well, and you know, I think the conclusion that we drew today is that it doesn't really matter what kind of sports car you end up with you just need something that'll get you out there and you know, engaged in your passion, you'll end up having a ton of fun. And if you can get together with some other people who are like-minded, right. it's even better. Right. Even company. if they are different cars, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice that these were all pretty quick. You were one of us had a Miata, they might not have enjoyed yeah. quite as no, much. No, I, mean, I think yeah. so. They would have gotten stuck behind a lot of other a cars. Lot of you other know, cars. <laughs> We'd have to pull off and wait for a bit. Yeah. But uh, no, surprised that we could all keep together. And despite the different years and generations mm-hmm. and, and power, I certainly had the least amount of power, but uh, didn't feel too compromised. No, not you guys. But uh, yeah, the suspension was, was the only thing holding the, you back. Actually, honestly, yes. And I'll have an immediate conversation with my brother about raising up the suspension and dialing the dampening. I also, he told me a while ago, I need new throttle or shift cables, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of always put them off. I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Your shifting's but a little vague. It, it's very vague, and actually, on the highway, even I had trouble shifting from downshifting from like fifth to fourth you really have to make sure you get it in the neutral position a second or before something. you go down to Jeez. like four or something yeah. and it's a little sticky so he always he wants me to get a, a pneumatic uh shift mechanism you should they're beautifully made yeah. that's a really well crafted object and i think it would go very well with the vibe of your car yeah so we'll see you know Got to find room in the budget for it. Next time on the Autoholic, yeah. will Steven still have a slammed 996? <laughs> It'll be a Safari 911 next time we talk. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mike, and thank you, everyone.